0: I uh, I have two directions this morning and I'm just trying to figure out which way to go. Um uh, had someone over the past week who typed up the and transcribed the words that I gave, the words of the Lord that were given to several cities in Florida, to Big Bend, the Tampa Bay region, Daytona, Gainesville, Pinellas County, Key West, Miami. Um, the Panhandle, St. Augustine, Treasure Coast, and Fort Myers. And when I read those last night, I finally got them yesterday, and I read those, my spirit leaped with inside me, seeing what the Lord, even though I spoke those things, I didn't remember them, but my spirit leaped inside me, seeing what God wants to do in the state of Florida. And uh, I kind of want to go in that direction this morning, But I don't know if I'm going to go in that direction because I want to go in the other direction also. So, you know, you got to decide what to do. One of the things, there's two things that are happening in Florida, and I think somebody may have prayed or mentioned or something this morning, but two things that are very important in Florida. One is that that, uh, Representative Kimberly Daniels, who's an apostle and has a church in Jacksonville, she has introduced a bill into the Florida house to, for uh, Bible courses to be taught in school or as an elective, I think. And I really feel the wind of the Lord upon that. I know Kimberly Daniels personally. We talk a few times a year and uh, and I'm, I'm just saying that to tell you how God is trying to focus the church of Florida. We're so much focused on ourselves that we we forget about what the Lord wants to do on, in an overall place uh, to bring His kingdom into the earth. Can you imagine the impact it will have in our schools if there's an elective to teach the Bible in the schools? As a matter of fact, last session, Kimberly Daniels introduced a bill to put in God we trust in all the schools, and it's my understanding it's there. Is that right, Bain? Is that correct? that in God we trust it past the House and the Senate, and it is in uh, in the schools. Uh, if you don't know Kimberly Daniels, you ought to go read some of her stuff, listen to her. She is one fired-up woman. She doesn't mess around. She's not a mamby-pamby girl. She's what you'd call a pure apostle. Uh, her church is in the hood, and they're literally taking the hood for the Lord. They do prayer marches through the hood and all kind of stuff like that, and literally are transforming that area that their church is in, transforming the culture of that area. We have another bill that's being introduced by Representative Mike Hill out of Pensacola. That bill is what's called the heartbeat bill. It's nothing new in the nation. Ohio has introduced it several times. I'm not sure if they've passed it. I know one other state has already passed it, so we're not the first ones on this. But the heartbeat bill says if if the doctor can hear the heartbeat, of a fetus then it becomes against the law to abort that child And it actually would be a felony a third degree felony if uh if it, that child is aborted once the heartbeat is detected can you imagine the effect that's going to have on florida and i said all that to tell you this that we have to begin praying for our state we need to be praying on these two bills i'm I told uh, them in the staff meeting last week, or prayer meeting, I, th- thought, I think it was, that I'm really considering putting together teams that will, that will man the House and the Senate each day that it's in session. We've done this once before. Session actually is about 60 days. It begins the first Tuesday in March and goes through the first Tuesday in May, normally, unless they have over, uh, extended time. And I remember one year that we manned it. We had people in there every single day of that one year. We tried to do it again the next year and we were not successful in getting people in there every single day. Sometimes it has to do with the cause. Is there a cause that's worthy enough for me to go there? And we're talking about people traveled, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight hours to get there because they came from all parts of Florida when we did have it successfully done. I feel like there's some wind on it this year to get people to go into the House and the Senate to pray every day while it's in session. Uh, I know to some of you that may sound foreign, but it's just like taking a missions trip. And while we endorse mission trips overseas, we never think about doing mission trips in our own state or in our own nation. I am a missionary. I'm a missionary sent to Florida I'm a missionary sent to the space coast. I'm a missionary sent to this nation. Where, where are you sent from, Ken? I'm sent from heaven. That's where I am from. And we've also got to begin focusing because of how God has orchestrated us and changed the culture of our of our congregation. We have to begin focusing on these different cities. We have to begin focusing on the Big Ben. And I know you don't have this handout, but... Uh, The Big Bend area is that place in Florida where it turns like that. And it's strange because I was surprised that the Lord on this particular Friday night during the three days of consecration would focus on the Big Bend. And because it's, you know, it's not that big of an area. You have Cross City, you have Perry, Florida, uh, you have Hatchie. You know, there's probably more people, you know, in this county, then it's all three of those cities put together. However, the Lord is really putting an emphasis on there. Back in 2015, I prophesied over the Big Ben that they would bow in worship for 72 hours. It went like this, that the Big Ben would bend in worship for 72 hours. If you go online and look up prophetic insight of charisma and uh, put in there uh, Ken Malone's prophecy about the Big Ben, you'll find that in there because they published it. And Jim Rollins took that word and for 72 hours they did nothing but live worship for 72 hours. And it literally changed the culture and brought in what I call social transformation. That big industry began coming into that region and dumping millions of dollars in a region that people would say, why would you do that? Why would you put that kind of money into that region? But factories begin coming in there. And there's just just a mandate that the Lord has on us as a house, and He has on the state of Florida this year, to move this thing forward at a very accelerated pace, to get out of um, the postponement and the delay that we've been in and move into the place where the Lord wants us to be. Having said all that, in order for you to operate as that kind of a missionary it 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 can't be about you and see we've and there's no one person's fault but we have turned the church into a welfare society that primarily focuses on the welfare of the people that attend And i'm not saying that's a bad thing but it's a bad thing when it's that is all our focus We should care and love for one another. But when that's all of our focus, God has a mission. I believe that every congregation is placed into a city and region with a mission. And that mission is to take that city and region for the Lord. For us, it's to take the state of Florida for the Lord. But if it's about you, you can never do that. If your focus is always introverted and and it's about you, you're never able to take regions and cities for the Lord because you've not even taken yourself for the Lord. Hello. It's a good word there. That'll preach. So we have to make a conversion in our lives. Our lives have to be converted in such a way to where it's all about Him and not about us. I'm going to paraphrase what I'm about to say to you. But Jesus was teaching in Matthew 6. He said, all these things that mankind is seeking after, don't you go after. He did. All the, let me say this again. All these different things that mankind goes after, don't go after. He said, but you seek the kingdom. God's kingdom. Then he said, and his what? Righteousness. I call that right alignment with God. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I call that seeking first the kingdom of God and right alignment with Him. Then He says, and all these things will be added unto you. All right. So now I can go into my other one, and I may go back into the other one later on. I may jump from one message to another. We're going to look at being found in Him many today express a desire to know who they are i should have put a comma right there in christ there's nothing wrong with that except the emphasis on is still on you let me say this again the emphasis is still on you it's really not about knowing who you are as it is about knowing him deeply and intimately. What is really important is to know who Christ is in you, not who you are in Christ. Because, see, your focus shifts in. It shifts away from you and it shifts over onto Jesus. It's not about who I am in Christ, it's about who he is in me. And even Paul talked about this if you're turning your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. I've been trying to streamline my messages, so I only have two pages today. But I still have a lot of preach. Verse 7, this is Paul talking about himself. But whatever things were gained to me, those I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I never will forget whenever we built our first home back in Alabama. We moved into it in 1979. We were 25 years old and owned our first home. And I never will forget God giving us a call into the ministry and and Cheryl and I were at odds with one another about going into the ministry and leaving that house. I mean, we hadn't been in it a year. And I was just chomping at the bits to go into the ministry and leave that house. And she and I got at odds with each other because she didn't want to and I wanted to. And I don't want to throw her under the bus because it was more about what I wanted to do than what the Lord wanted to do. And I didn't understand timing at the time. And so the contention between she and I became so strong that I had to back off. Or, you know, it was just not going to be good around our house. Because I didn't understand timing. Say, understand timing. It was more about, even though the Lord was speaking to me, it was about what I wanted to do, but it wasn't the timing of the Lord, and so I backed off so that we could have peace in our home, and I backed off for quite a number of years, and the Lord spoke to me one day about going into the ministry again, and I said, Lord, I'm not bringing this up again. This has been too hard on me. She and I, I am not doing this again. But he wouldn't leave me alone. He kept speaking to me. So finally I said it to her. I told her what the Lord has been dealing with me about. And I just left it there. I didn't press it. I didn't push it. And then one morning, not long after that, I come home to a wife who is weeping. And I, when I got off a of midnight shift, I got home and she's weeping. And all of a sudden she's grabbing me by the arm and saying, let's go into the ministry. She's dragging me, and instead of me trying to drag her, she's saying, come on, let's go. And I'm I'm saying, whoa, wait a minute. Who is this person that I'm talking to right now? I don't know her. She was totally different than she was before, partly because now we've come into the timing of the Lord. But she said something to me that really floored me She says, I don't care about this house anymore. This was a house that she built. This was a house that she built just the way that she wanted it. She decorated everything. I did not get any decorations in that house, guys. If you want to have a good marriage, just give it to your wife. Tell her, tell her, I want one room that can be mine. See, I've got an office over there that's made for me. And uh, it's an aviation thing, but I just recently put my alligator head up on the shelf there. <laughs> and won't be long I'll have my deer head. I got a big eight-point buck deer head I'm going to have hanging over the bookshelf because that room is mine. <laughs> but I couldn't believe she was saying, let's leave that. Because see, when you begin following the Lord... He will require you to leave some things that has been an idol in your life. It's good there. There has been a God that you have been serving. We love that house. It was in the country. I love country living. I've been trying to get back to the country since then. Well, if I get in the country, I'm going to have some chickens. You know, I may, I may have some hogs. You know, I, I, I just love country life. I love going and getting fresh eggs in the morning, you know, and 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 making the richest cakes with those things. But I couldn't believe Cheryl was wanting to leave all of that. It's because she'd had an encounter with the Lord. And when you have an encounter with God, it causes you to want to leave everything else behind. I looked at her and I said, i got to pray about this. (laughs) Here Paul says, let's continue to read. Verse 8, Moreover than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ, you know, when we moved here, I, I had said for years and years and years, I'll never leave where we live. I still have my house over there, but I said I'll never leave it because I have four kids and I have seven grandkids, all within yeah, all seven within forty-five minutes. One was uh, three hours away. Now they're only two hours away. I said I'll never leave. It'll have to be the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and every angel in heaven will have to speak to me to get me to leave that place. Here I am. There's things that when you have encounters with the Lord, you count them loss that you may gain Christ. You count them as rubbish that you may gain Him. And see, so many people, we're... We're surrounded by, we're wanting to know our value. But let me tell you, Paul didn't ask about his value. He said, I want to know the surpassing value of him. Woo! Come on, somebody. I want to know his surpassing value. Am I valuable? About 50 cents worth of mud. Because you're made of dirt. And my value, my value is hidden in him. My value is with him. My value is knowing him. My value is having Christ in me. This is good. Verse 9, here we go. And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on, say press on, I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do, not count, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Again, I'm going to bring out ten things just about this verse of Scripture. One, the loss of all things. You have to, if you're going to go after him, you have to be willing to lose it all. As a matter of fact, we'll read this verse of Scripture here in Luke chapter 9. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Now, he's talking about in this lifetime. He's not talking about in the world to come. He's talking about right now. He's saying, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to give up your own way. Isn't it amazing how angry we get when we don't get our way? And many times the Lord is exposing what's still on the inside of you that hasn't been dealt with through through the cross of Jesus Christ. I know I'm that way. Am I the only one here? When I don't get my way, thank you, thank you, thank you. I had three. There's four hands. There's five. The rest of you, you've already reached it, and we're just going to say thank you. When I don't get my way, you better get out of my way. I'm really a pretty good guy. But there are times that just like you, I get carnal and in the flesh, and all of a sudden the Lord shows me something that still hasn't gone to the cross yet. We're going to talk about that more in a moment. See, in order for you and I to begin reaching these cities for God, because God has extended our tent pegs, He said through Chuck Pierce that you got to extend your borders, which is now from coast to coast. But in order for us to do that, We've got to begin suffering and calling the things that we've lost nothing but rubbish that we may gain Him. It can't be about you. It has to be about Him. Even all the blessings, it's not about how good you are. It's about how good He is. People all the time, I want you to see my new car that God gave me. They show me their new car and I said, tell me about your payments. God didn't give that to you. Your good credit gave that to you. You're blessed to be in a nation that enables us to do that. God gave it to you, you wouldn't have paid a dime for it. You wouldn't have paid a cent. Then he says, number three, he says, to be found in him. To be found in Christ. To be wrapped up in him. To have him surrounding your life so that everything about you oozes Jesus. And I'm not talking about religious junk. I'm just talking about your, 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 your life oozes the Lord. I come across people like that. They're not religious. They don't dot every I, they don't cross every T. But they, and let me say what, let me say this. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about dotting every I and crossing every T. I'm not talking about you becoming perfect. I'm talking about you being found in Him. Having your life wrapped up in... It blows my mind about David. You and I would have crucified David. You and I would have said he can't be a part of our church anymore. That's what you and I would have done. That religious part of us would have said, You know, you committed murder by sending a man out into the front fields to die. You also lied about, about it. And then you had sex with his wife. and Then you lied about that. Yet God says about this guy in the book of Acts. He said, I have found a man after my own heart. Who will do all of my will. And I'm blown away at how David was found in him. Not having his own righteousness. Now did he have to repent? Yes. But most most of us today if that happened to some of us that happened to a leader we kicked them out of church we never let them come back in you know because we just we're religious I'm so glad you're back I hadn't heard that term since you've been gone Oh my god I like that He says not having my own righteousness Derived from the law, but that which is through faith. He says, I want to have the righteousness that comes from God through faith. I want to have right alignment with God. I've been using that word a lot lately in place of righteousness. And, you know, if you get the thing, you know it means the same. Being rightly aligned with God means being righteous in Him. Otherwise, you can't be righteous in God. Then number five, he talks about knowing Him. That I may know him. Now here is an apostle. Probably used my more than the rest of them put together from what we see written. Others could have done a lot of things that we don't know about. He says this apostle who probably knows the Lord better than any of them. He says that I may know him. He says this is my desire. I want to know him. I want to know who Jesus is not who I am I know Ken Malone inside and out you know and when Ken gets in his flesh or when you get in your flesh and I've seen some of you get in your flesh you're not too nice I'm not too nice either but when we're walking in the spirit and we're living in Christ there's something about you that is so different something about you that's transforming that makes other people want to follow Jesus also He also says that he wants to press on. Not to stop and not to camp out. Say, press on. on. See, the danger within the church today is for them to stop and camp instead of pressing on. Or to think that we've arrived. I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that we're far from arriving here at Kingdom Gate. That we're far from arriving in the state of Florida. However, I do believe we've gotten closer. He says, I press on that I can lay hold, number seven. He says, I want to lay hold of that which I have been laid hold of. I want to attach myself. I want to attain that which I have been laid hold for. Then he says, forgetting what lies behind. In order for you to move forward, and for you to begin taking Florida to the Lord, you've got to begin forgetting what lies behind. You have to begin f- forgetting about your past. Because, see, if you don't bury your past, your past is going to bury you. You have to bury that past. Don't let that past come back up. You know, and, and just leave it back there. Walk away from it. Leave it in the dust. Don't even talk about it anymore. Sometimes we like to talk about how bad our past was. You want a microphone, baby? That was good. Yeah, the devil will bring it up to you. You've got to bring up to him that you're hidden with Christ. He says, I want to press on toward the goal. And you have to ask yourself, what's the goal? What's the goal? It's not money, it's not finances, it's not being socially acceptable, it's not getting everybody to like me, the goal is not having all my I's dotted and T's crossed and and I look so good, it's not the goal, the goal is finding your life in Him, that's your goal. We have been called to freedom. In Galatians chapter 5 verses 13 through 21. This is out of the Passion Translation. Which by the way if you don't have that you need to get it. I just bought Cheryl a new one. And I uh, gave it to her this morning. Um, that's your birthday gift that I forgot to give you. <laughs> <clears throat> He says, Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. I love this. Say freedom. Freedom. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. I've Never read it like this. This is so awesome. Freedom means that we become completely free of self-indulgence. That we become servants of one another expressing love in all that we do. For love completes the laws of God. All of the law can be summarized in one grand statement. Demonstrate love to your neighbor even as you care for and love yourself. But if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, you're acting like wild beasts trying to destroy one another. That's powerful, isn't it? See, that's what you'd call in the king, animal kingdom marking your territory. See, there's a war going on inside you and I. And if you look with me to Romans, the seventh chapter, you know, us being Pentecostal, we don't look at this scripture too much. If you were in a Baptist church, you would know this chapter by heart. One of the things the Baptists do is they teach the Roman book of Romans from cover to cover. And they teach it well. <clears throat> When I was in the Baptist church, I don't think we ever got out of the book of Romans. And many of us got saved several times. We walked down the aisle when the invitation came. We're going to begin in verse 14. We're going to read the rest of the chapter. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into bondage of sin. For that which I am doing, I do not understand. Let me say this. God is, Paul is talking about himself, and he's talking about us. For that which I am doing, I do not understand. For what I am practicing, what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. Have you ever found yourself there? I'll say that again. For that which I am doing, I do not understand. For I'm not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not wish to do, I agree with the law confessing that it is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I wish I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. But if I am doing the very thing I do not wish, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I then find the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wishes to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law. In the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members wretched man that i am who will set me free from the body of this death thanks be to god through jesus christ our lord so then on one hand i myself with my mind am serving the law of god but on the other with my flesh the law of sin now like what the amplified bible says in verse 25 it says, thank God He will. When it talks about being delivered from this. Because he goes right on into the 8th chapter. Remember, there were not chapters and verses when Paul wrote this letter to the Romans. He goes right into the 8th verse and he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. And by the way, if your Bible has that Verse 1 there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. That's not in the original manuscripts. That's why it's in italics there. And that's why the New American Standard doesn't have it in there. So this is very good here. For the Lord is beginning to say to us that He will deliver you. And you have to cast off condemnation for your past. Begin casting that off so you begin dealing with the war. Say deal with the war. Because this war, if we lean into our flesh, it will produce carnal works. It's what it will produce. And I'll bring this out more in a little bit. But in Galatians 5, it talks about the works of the flesh. But it doesn't talk about the works of the Spirit. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Totally different. One you work at. One is bought by works. And that's the fruit. That is the works of the flesh. One is birthed. That's why it's fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's birthed. And the more of Him that you get inside you, the more that that fruit will come out. We'll get into more of that in a minute. Look with me now to uh, Romans 8, verses 5 through 9. For those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. It's almost like what He is saying. He is saying here, you set your mind on what you want to do. You're the one who controls your thoughts. You're the one who controls the way you think. You know, you may get thoughts coming in, but you don't have to let them live there. One guy had to go to jail one time because he had stole some stuff, and he went before the judge, and he told the judge, he said, Lord, that wasn't me. That was my flesh that sold those chickens. And he says, well, I'm going to lock you up because of keeping bad company with your flesh. (laughs) We don't need to keep bad company with these carnal ways. Those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh and those things of the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So he's saying we can set our mind on one or another. We have to choose. The enemy brings up somebody who's wronged you in your heart. Are you gonna sit there and you're gonna just uh, get mad and mad and mad and mad because of what they've done? Or will you change your mind? Will you say, I choose today because I control my destiny? I choose today to forgive. I, I, I will not. Re, I will not bring that into count against them any longer. And when the devil brings it back up and says, "Oh yes, you will," you say, "Oh no, I won't," because I have forgiven them and I have put them under the blood of Jesus Christ. Woo! You see, forgiveness is not an emotion. We need to remind ourselves of this. Forgiveness is an action. It's an act of your own volition. That changes emotions. Man, I love that. It's good when you're on preaching if it makes you want to shout. I am, I am happy. See, you choose to forgive. It took me a long time to get this. I, we had left um, our home region and had moved to Montgomery. And everything, you need to understand, I'm telling you a story. The end result is a lot better, okay? Everything that I hated about my dad began to crop up. Everything I hated about what he did and how he raised his kids began to come up in me. God begins showing me this way of life that I'm talking to you about right now. He and I, during that time frame, we had some very, very heated arguments to the point that I didn't return to his house for almost a year. I didn't go and see my mom for almost a year. I was a preacher. But it shouldn't matter if you're a preacher. I was a Christian. And I'm acting this way. No, none of you ever do that. You got your act together. And I started learning about this way of life. And I found out that I could forgive my dad and not hold that in account against him ever again. And so what I did is I got a chair and I set it right there in an imaginary way. I put my dad in that chair. And I said, Frank Malone, I forgive you. For everything you, I started bringing up the things he said, the things he did, the beatings that I got. I said, I choose today to forgive you. I will not hold that in account against you any longer. And I got so free that my dad came to see me. Sat down in my kitchen. He wasn't even going after the Lord yet. And he said, with tears in his eyes. Son, please forgive me. You can't change the past, but he asked for forgiveness, so now I don't owe that an account against him any longer. You remember that sure when he came to Montgomery, said in our kitchen, tears in his eyes saying, "Please forgive me." And I had to forgive him. I had already forgiven him, but that forgiveness I gave to him opened up something for us to begin having a relationship. And that was when he exchanged his life for the Lord's. I'll never forget that. He gave up on Frank Malone and started saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. And, and I, I'll never forget when Rob went. He's a pastor in Linden. He and I were friends at the time. And, and I was still living in our home area there. And um, <clears throat> Rob and I were friends. We talked about the Lord. Now I had Rob pastors there in Linden. And he had gone to see my dad to have a windshield put in his car. And Rob begins talking to my dad about the Lord. And my dad says to him, Hold on, Rob. Just wait a minute. i got to do something. He went and closed his shop doors and put out to lunch on there, locked both of his doors, and he went to Rob and said, We're going to pray. And Rob led him to the Lord. I'm so amazed at how God can turn somebody around who's just been everything but nice and reshape and reform a life. He can do the same to your life, too. You say, well, Brother Ken, I'm saved. I don't need that. You probably need it worse than anybody. (laughs) Because that's self-righteousness is what that is. Anytime you say we don't need to be transformed or I don't need to be transformed, I'm good. You need it worse. Did I finish reading these? For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit of, is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile. It makes war toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. These are carnal works. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21 in the Passion Translation. I'm going to have to hurry here. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. I hope you're getting this. This is so good. I love this translation. The cravings of the self-life are obvious: sexual immorality. That's not me, brother Ken. Lustful thoughts, maybe a few. Pornography, maybe a few. Chasing after things instead of God, probably a lot. Manipulating others is probably a lot there. Hatred of those who get in your way. Senseless arguments. Resentment when others are favored. Temper tantrums, angry quarrel, quarrels, but well, we're hitting home now. Only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of, of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. I hope you found yourself in some of those, or you see some things in you. Uh, we, we may do a, a study on the tale of three kings here soon. I'm just praying about that. And uh, Patty said I ought to get up and read a chapter every Sunday. I may do that. But if you look with me in Romans, the sixth chapter, and we're feeling we're getting real bad this this morning. Begin in verse one through. Fourteen. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be so. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? Now he's talking about overcoming it. Or do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. Certainly, we shall, also, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Now he's telling us that we don't have to be slaves to sin when we crucify ourselves. For he who has died is free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. For so consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. What sin is he talking about? We just read Galatians a moment ago. Go and look at those again. Do not let those works of the flesh reign in your mortal body any longer. Verse 13. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you're not under the law, but you're under what? Grace. That is the empowerment of God, grace is. It's not just unmerited favor. And and Next time you think about what is grace, you can say unmerited favor, but say it this way. The unmerited favor, by the unmerited favor, I have been empowered by God to live a holy life. Use grace in that fashion. You see, my old identity has been co-crucified with the Messiah. And we're going to identify with Him. Look with me now in Romans chapter 17, chapter 5, verse 17. Death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now much more we are held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. He says there because of him that we're able to reign in this life. We're able to enjoy life. We're able to enjoy God. Let me say it this way. If you're not enjoying God, you're probably serving religion. Because God is made to be enjoyed. He wants to enjoy us. He wants us to enjoy Him. I'm going to say it again. If you're not enjoying God, you're probably serving religion. What kind of, what kind of music do you think I listen to? Say it again. Old time rock and roll. Anybody else? Huh? Country? Anybody else? Huh? Nah. <laughs> Anybody else? The blues? Somebody say the blues? I do like the blues. I just like the right words. I like, I like words. I like music that is vertical with the lord i don't like this stuff that focuses on people but songs that make you go vertical was out on the beach last night and i was singing almost heaven west virginia blue ridge mountain shenandoah river brother ken that was not a christian song so what i like it i like it and not only that it's wholesome You see, music is neither religious or secular. Music gives life or it gives death. I've been in churches where they sang songs, you felt like you were going to die. You just wanted to get out of there. I had a girl... She went to school with our oldest daughter. She lives out in Colorado Springs. They're getting ready to move back to uh, Florida next year, or this year actually now. Incredible singer. She's a, she's a spiritual daughter to Cheryl and I. And uh, I heard her sing Wind Beneath My Wings one time. Bette Miller sang that song. And she, she did it better than Bette Miller ever thought about doing it. And I had Jaxie come to our church one day. And sing that song. I used to turn on in church. Love lift us up where we belong. Who wrote that? Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker wrote that song. And see. You go after. You go after the things that produce life. Not that which produces death. When you're looking for a church to land in find one that's producing life find one where life is being spoken it's a good word there listen to this galatians 2 verse 20 passion translation my old identity has been co-crucified with messiah and no longer lives for the nails of his cross crucified me with him and now the essence of his new life is no longer of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. Galatians two twenty is one of my favorite verses, always has been. But several years ago, it came as a revelation to Rick Curry and myself. Some of you heard this, but I'm going to tell it again for those who haven't. Rick Curry had met, and I had met in Jacksonville. He lived, still lives in Pensacola. We'd met in Jacksonville to pray over the nation. And pray over i because we had a word about the 1040 window in America. And so we got into my room. I, I rented one of those big um, double room things where you have a, living room one side, bedroom another, so that we could move around and pray. And I took the picture off the wall and hung a picture of the entire United States up there. And we started praying. And as we're praying, we're going along for about an hour, and Rick Curry says something. He says, Lord, bring Revelation to room 216. And when he said that, the Holy Spirit said to me, Acts 216 is your word for America. I immediately turned in my Bible. Anybody know what it says? I didn't either. This is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And we begin prophesying and speaking that word into the nation. He and I then hopped in my car and we started driving Interstate 10 from between uh, Jacksonville and Lake City, going back and forth. And we were just praying and prophesying. We got so drunk on the Holy Ghost that I had to pull my car over. Some of you see me drunk in the Spirit, and most of you haven't. I had to pull my car over to the side of the road because it was too dangerous to drive. Angels had filled the car and he and I got out and we were walking up down I-10 waving our arms and prophesying and decreeing and cars going shoo, 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 They probably wondered what in the world we were doing. We went home after, we probably got home about one that morning. And went to bed and the next night we, or the next morning we woke up, had breakfast together, downloading, debriefing, had, you had we had any more revelation and we didn't. So we pack, we're packing our bags, and he calls me. He says, before you leave, I need to talk to you. Meet me down at the, in the breakfast area of the hotel. So I went down there, and he's crying. He said, I called my wife this morning to see how she was. And she asked me this. She said, which one of you stayed in room 216 last night? He said, Ken stayed in room 216. Why do you ask that? She said, I don't know, just the Lord told me to ask you who stayed in 2.16. And then she said to him, who stayed in 2.20? He said, I did. How did you know that? She said, I don't. The Lord told me to ask who stayed in 2.20 and who stayed in 2.16. And the Lord really began speaking to us that we were in an Acts 2.16 time. But in order to fulfill it, we had to live a Galatians 2.20 lifestyle. Being crucified with Christ. No longer I that's living, but Christ is living in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. This is about Him. You know, every time I'm going through a rocky time and a hard time, I throw this ring up in God's face. You may think Cheryl gave that to me, and in some ways she did, but this actually came to me from the Lord because I had given my wedding band away to some another person with Cheryl right beside me, by the way. And God sent a wedding band all the way from Argentina. And I had been praying for an Argentine revival to come to the state of Florida and to this nation. Nobody knew that except Cheryl, that I had prayed that Prayer. and if you've never studied the Argentine revival get online and look at it incredible revival back in the 80s and 90s that's where Steve Hill came out of whenever he went to Brownsville he came right out of the Argentine revival right into Brownsville and God sent that to me and every time he, he was saying to me Ken I'm in covenant with you and every time I'm going through a hard time I put the load back on him instead of trying to take it myself instead of trying to be perfect I say, Lord, you remember this? You gave me this. I didn't ask for it. You gave it to me. There are some times I'm going through a tough time. I remind him he's the author and the finisher of my faith, Hebrews 12 and verse 2. I say, Lord, you started this. You're the author of it. I didn't start this. You came to me. You found me. I didn't find you. Did you find God yet? You've never found God. He found you. He found you. Wow. All right. Let's move real quickly to the hope of glory. I'll tell you what, let's just jump down to John chapter 14. Down there where it says, in him I live and move. That's Acts 17, 26. Paul said there that in him I live and move and have my being. But I want to show you what it's like to be in Christ and what it's like to be in the Father. Because Jesus said in John fourteen twenty, He said, "In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you." And I want to sh- I'm going to show you something here that is very very powerful. At least to me it is. When I saw this for the first time, it revolutionized my life. I'm going to show you what it is to be in the Father and to be in Jesus. In John 14, 20, it says, that day you will know that I am in my Father. And I'm going to take Jesus and I'm going to slide him right down in here. Then he said, and you in me. And I'm going to slide him right here, you right there. And then he said, and I in you. I'm going to slide him right down inside of you there. I want you to get this. Who do you see? That's all you see. When you live in Him, all we see is you. When you walk in the the Father, when you live in Him, all we see is the Father. It doesn't matter how much deliverance you go through. If you don't get what I'm talking about here, you're still going to have issues in your life. You have to realize, and Colossians, I think it's the third chapter, says... For me to seek those things that are above and not things on the earth because I have been hidden in Christ. I'm in Him. That's where I am. You know what? I can go through anything that the world hands me or the devil hands me because this is where I am. It's got to go through the Father. Then it's got to go through the sun to get to me. And when it gets to me, guess who it's going to find inside me? Jesus. He's going to be on the inside of me. I mean, you can't lose. You can't lose. Stand to your feet.